Russell, and this is VoiceOver Work, an audiobook sampler. Where do you listen? Today is April 22nd, 2022. Cheer up. It's National Jelly Bean Day, or Earth Day, if you're a little more practically minded. In today's featured book, The Art of Self-Coaching by Nick Trenton, Mr. Trenton tells us it's tough to know how to grow if you don't have a directive or an understanding of the process. But this book is your guide to independently becoming the best and happiest version of yourself. Thanks for being with us today. And here is the chapter-by-chapter summary of The Art of Self-Coaching by Nick Trenton. Chapter 1, Frameworks for Change. Let's begin this book with a question. How does anyone go from point A to point B? If you're physically traveling from place to place, you'll need a vehicle. But arguably, if you're traveling from one state of being to another, you'll also need a vehicle. Whenever we make a real change in who we are, how we behave, what we feel, and how we think, we are essentially transforming from one way of being into another. We can get to where we want to go in many ways by using many different vehicles. The vehicle often depends on the goal. We could try psychotherapy or ask a mentor to show us the ropes in a new industry. We could go to university or sign up for a personal development course. We could ask our parents. But did you notice anything in common with these vehicles? They're all driven by someone else. When you form a relationship with a teacher, mentor, counselor, advisor, guru, consultant, or expert, you are attempting to get from point A to B with the help and guidance of someone else. It's like looking out for a bus going to the place you want to go or hopping in a taxi and telling the taxi driver where you need to be. When you hire a coach of any kind, you're not engaging in therapy or consulting and the coach never tells you what to do, but engages you in a conversation, asks you questions, and helps you figure out what you're trying to achieve. They're assuming a certain amount of responsibility and self-knowledge on your part. They know that you have it in you, but you need the space and support to help you access that it, whatever it may be. But to extend the driving metaphor as far as it can go, you can drive yourself. You can give this same space and support to yourself and trust you have it in you, whatever the it may be. Self-coaching is nothing more than a way to instigate and support meaningful changes in your own life and under your own steam. A way to drive yourself from point A to point B. Conventional coaching is a great model for personal development, but it has drawbacks. It's expensive and you may find yourself having serious incompatibilities with your chosen coach. And by incompatibilities, I also mean that some coaches are just not particularly good. Think of it this way. In a coaching session, a coach may see where you are, understand the obstacle in your way, and prompt you with a question to bring insight and spur a change in your behavior. The desired change in behavior isn't just superficial or external, though. It has to arise from some internal change. And if that change comes from within you, then the coach was only ever instrumental. They didn't make you change. You changed yourself. Good coaching is about 
creating the right space and opportunity for change and growth, reflecting on your process and developing your sense of being a proactive agent in that process, developing self-awareness, learning to trial and error your own behavior, and experimenting with your experience, practicing ways of finding help and community with others, bravely confronting your limiting beliefs and thought patterns, and challenging your mental models so you can rebuild your life from the inside out. Looking at this list, there's no reason you do none of this for yourself. The benefit of coach is that they are a separate person, standing outside of you, able to, hopefully, supply you with objective feedback about what's going on in your world. But with self-awareness, honesty, and enough discipline to be consistent, you can step out. Chapter 2. Know Yourself, Grow Yourself We've talked about growth, development, and evolution as though these ideas always meant the same things to all people at all times. Finding a job may be a successful endpoint for one person, but quitting an identical job is considered a success for another. The same choice could be an expression of resistance from person A, but a sign of deep insight and transformation for person B. And even within the same person, the definition of growth seems to change. So what seemed an all-important achievement at 20 years of age seems insignificant at 40. There are no objectively good choices, life paths, or outcomes. What matters is the degree of fit between a unique individual and the goals they've chosen for themselves, i.e., is it good for you? We all want to fulfill our potential. We all want to be better today than we were yesterday, and we all want to improve and progress. But what that looks like depends on who we are. So we need to clarify the answers to two important questions. What do we want? Who are we? In this chapter, we'll see these are essentially the same question. To understand what we want, we need to know who we are. And to better know who we are, we need to explore the things we want. We've looked at frameworks. Now it's time to look at the goals we want to set and the changes we want to bring about in our lives. Think of it this way. The framework is just a map. We still need to chart our own unique course through this map in a chosen direction to a chosen destination. Many people are experts at personal development techniques and methods, but it doesn't seem to matter because they're not using these methods in service of an appropriate and well-chosen goal. Finding the goal, i.e. the direction of growth, that matters to you is the subject of this chapter. The Wheel of Life Not quite sure what you want? That's okay. Let's start from the beginning by using a popular tool called The Wheel of Life, which was created by Paul J. Meyer in the 60s and is loosely inspired by an older version that comes from a Tibetan Buddhist philosophy. Life can be broken down into eight segments or areas laid out on a wheel. The wheel can be used to home in on goals because it invites you to carefully reflect on where you are right now in your life regarding each segment. Considering each area, think about how much time and attention you spend on each and your overall satisfaction and achievement. The eight aspects are business and career, finances, health, family and friends, romance, personal development, fun and recreation, contribution to society. Imagine that life is a giant pie divided into the above eight slices. To use the pie, 
You can assign each slice of value from 1 to 10 to represent your development in this area. The value of 1, representing the least satisfaction or achievement, is nearest the center of the pie, with 10 representing the most at the circumference. The result resembles a bullseye, or set of 10 concentric circles. You can find blank templates of the Wheel of Life online, or you can easily sketch your own. Now look at each segment and mark its score. Maybe you decide finances are iffy and mark this 4, but mark romance as a 10, and so on. It's important to take your time and fill this out as honestly as you can. You're not assigning a score according to how important you think this category is, but giving an honest appraisal of how well you're fulfilling challenges, how much you've achieved, and how satisfied you are with this part of life. Chapter 3. The Power of Objectivity Do we have a logical and useful framework to understand change? Check. Do we have tools to help us identify who we are so we know in what direction to change? Check. Now in this chapter, we'll explore a key capacity that will allow you to coach yourself the ability to accurately and objectively perceive yourself. This skill is indispensable because without it, we can never gain a neutral enough picture of how we're doing to know when we're doing it wrong. One benefit of a coach is that they're not you, and they don't have your hang-ups and blind spots, you hope. So they can call you out on your excuses, point out your resistance, or prompt you with a suggestion to help you get unstuck. You can do this for yourself if you have enough objectivity. First things first, self-observation and self-inquiry are not obvious, automatic, or easy unless you deliberately commit to being objective. And unless you learn this skill from scratch, it's a mistake to assume you already are objectively aware of your reality. Often, we just assume we understand our weaknesses and strengths, that our perception of reality is accurate, or that we know when we're off track and how to fix it. But how often do we check this assumption? Let's begin with a straightforward way to generate more self-awareness. Ask questions. Self-awareness questions. The actual answers to these questions are not the important part. These questions are phrased as they are to challenge and inspire deep thought. They ask people to dive deeper into understanding why they answered the way they did and dig into their behavioral and thought patterns. One what kind of prize would I work hardest for, or what punishment would I work hardest to avoid? The answer to this question might help identify the true motive behind an individual's drive. Beyond surface-level things, what is really motivating people? Is this something they care about? And what type of pain or pleasure matters to them? On an instinctual level, what really matters the most in both a positive and negative way? Gamblers all want one prize, the jackpot. They try and try again, whether it be scratchers or slot machines, to try to win that big prize money. Is there hope that they will eventually win back all the money they've already spent into their gambling habit? Is there hope to become richer than they can imagine? Why are they working so hard? You might discover that their motivation is the thrill and rush of the risk involved. Do they care about making steady pay or finding their purpose? Perhaps not. When you can dig into what someone wants the most and why, 
you can often find what is driving them without having to ask it directly. When thinking of the prize you'd work hardest for, ask yourself how far you'd go to achieve that prize. This will often reveal the punishment you want to avoid most. A person might value money because to them, that is what success looks like. But what lengths would they go to for money? Would they break the law or cheat and deceive people? Maybe they're fine with being ambitious as long as it stays within some moral and legal bounds. Two, where do you want to spend money? And where are you fine going cheap or skipping altogether? This answer may reveal what matters to someone's daily living and what they want to experience or avoid in their lives. There comes a point when material belongings no longer have a meaning or purpose for someone. Chapter 4. Attitude is Destiny Speaking of questions, here's a brilliant one. For what are you willing to struggle? What kind of pain would you like to have in your life? To what end? When we set goals and imagine futures, we focus on the good feelings, the reward, the sense of meaning and contentment. We ask ourselves, what do I care most about? Or, what do I most want? But merely wanting something is not enough to actually achieve that. There will be struggle along the way. There will be pain. The question is, what kind of life are you willing to pursue despite this pain and struggle? We all want financial success. But not all of us are willing to accept the pain and struggle that comes with working our butts off. We all want to be fit and gorgeous, but not all of us are willing to accept the pain and struggle that comes with working out all the time. We all want to develop useful skills or create something of value. But not all of us are willing to put in the learning and practice required. The biggest difference between the people that achieve their goals and the people that don't is that the successful ones were willing to suffer for what they wanted. It's not only about what good you like most, but what bad you're most able to tolerate. Not every motivational speaker will say so, but if a goal is worth anything, it'll be hard work to achieve. Our success is not dependent so much on how vividly we can picture the happy result, but on how steadfastly we can endure the discomfort along the way. If someone says, I want to lose weight and I commit to that goal, are they saying yes to the after picture where they're already thin and toned and happy? Or are they committing to the hard work day in and day out of daily exercise and good eating habits? They are probably not enthusiastically agreeing to all the times they must turn down delicious food that they'd rather enjoy. And yet, without the ability to do just that, they will fail. In this final chapter, we're looking closely at the obstacles most likely to derail any genuine attempt at change ourselves. A poor attitude is the biggest threat to you achieving your goals. Luckily, we have a good idea of the attitude most correlated with actually getting stuff done, and it might not be what you think. The change mindset isn't flashy or glamorous, not ultra-confident or enthusiastic, not brave and invulnerable. Instead, Change happens most reliably when we are resilient to discomfort, patient, and humble. Let's look closely at these best practices for change. Embrace the pain of self-discipline. Ultimately, what we may be looking for when we think about self-coaching and self-growth is hardening ourselves 
and gaining the ability to simply push through tasks more often than not. That's the very definition of self-discipline. The brain can be tricked, mindsets can be shifted, and we can manipulate our surroundings all we want. At the core, we still need to engage in something we find at least slightly annoying or uncomfortable. Evidence is everywhere. For instance, lose weight without the diet and exercise. Think positively and you'll get whatever you want without effort. Follow this plan and you'll only have to work four hours in a week. In our modern consumer world, where marketing and advertising compete for our attention and our money at every turn, the name of the game is offering something for nothing. Abs without crunches. Money in the bank without breaking a sweat. Knowledge without studying too hard. You've just listened to Voice Over Work, an audiobook sampler. Where do you listen? This is your host, Russell. You can catch future episodes on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and Facebook. Come back in three or four days and catch our next episode.